Welcome to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian nutritionist and PCOS nutrition expert. I'm here to help you learn how to manage PCOS and support your hormones while also having a healthy relationship with food in your body. You can improve PCOS symptoms and labs without dieting. Get ready to feel better with PCOS and leave diet culture in the rearview mirror. Welcome to another episode of the Nourish with PCOS podcast. I am Sam, your host, and I'm so thankful that you're tuning in today. I wanted to open up a gentle conversation here about eating disorders, and I knew the perfect dietitian to join me in this conversation would be Kimmy. Kimmy Singh is a registered dietitian in New York and owner of the nutrition practice Body Honor Nutrition. Kimmy is well-versed in PCOS and also specializes in treating eating disorders. She joins me today for this episode where we talk about how to support your health with PCOS, some things that you can look out for that may indicate an eating disorder, and we also talk about health at every size what it is, how to blend haze with managing PCOS, and we just have a really great conversation. So I will not keep you. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Kimmy. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to chat with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a dietitian here in New York City, and I have PCOS and specialize in it. And yeah, when I'm not doing this work, I'm like playing with my cats or hanging out with my husband, trying to do a little traveling, staying warm. Yeah, I feel like that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) Oh, how many cats do you have? I have two. One is like sitting right here at my desk. This is Simba. And then another one who's roaming is Mittens. Well, we are animal lovers here on this podcast show. So if they make an appearance, that's completely okay. <laughs> okay, good. Because I rearranged my home office recently and they're loving this new configuration. So they're all over the desk these days. Oh, that's so nice. I love it when our work setup can also accommodate our pets. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. We're all in harmony. Yeah. Your business is Body Honor Nutrition, or that's the name of your practice. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be and how you help clients? Oh, yeah. I feel like the fun answer is that like, I I, I do really believe that each body is like so different and that everybody's needs are so different. And I feel like part of this process is really like honoring your needs, and checking in with what they are. I feel like that's like the fun and very true answer. And also coming up with names are really tough. So I was working with a marketing company who gave me some ideas and I was like, oh, this feels so perfect and on brand. So it felt like such a perfect fit for my approach. Oh, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because coming up with names is so hard. (laughs) It is. It's hard to think of something that's like catchy and memorable but also describes what you do. And yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah, especially, I don't know if you feel this way as a dietitian, but I know some of the words that I've used in the past have definitely shifted a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So I rebranded to PCOS Nutrition Company. And then I'm like, that way, if I want to change the name of my program, it's not like changing the whole shebang. 
Yeah. Oh, that's really <laughs> smart. Yeah. There's so many words that are really loaded for so many reasons and it, it can make it so our options are so limited. Yeah, definitely. I think especially in this this type of space where you really are trying to be gentle with where each person is coming from. Exactly. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do with clients or what you specialize in? Yeah. So outside of PCOS, a lot of my clients have eating disorders or some disordered eating and just trying to heal from living in this world that pushes diets and really like encourages people to feel more disconnected from their bodies. And so I feel like my approach is much more therapeutic than someone might expect a dietitian's work to be. And I think that that keeps it really fun and really connected to the many areas that affect food and body. Yeah, I love that because when it comes to nutrition and the way we approach nourishing our bodies, it doesn't, food doesn't exist independent of so many other factors in our life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I feel like how do we discuss food and body without also discussing body image? Right. Yeah. I think like bringing that piece into it is such a game changer. Yeah, definitely. That was something that I learned so much when working really with anyone, but especially in the PCOS space, you know, Mm -hmm. how, how we feel about our bodies really, (laughs) really plays such a huge role in how we approach eating and food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel similarly. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about health at every size and practicing from a health at every size approach? I think there's so many misconceptions about what haze is and what Mm -hmm. it means. So I thought it would be fun if we talked about that a little bit to give the listeners some clarity. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the best ways to describe it is that it really suggests and clarifies that regardless of your size, it's going to be healthier to engage in health promoting behaviors than it is to focus on weight loss. And so it it offers a really different lens for discussing nutrition, especially for people that feel like they need to lose weight to explore health. So I, I think it it looks at health in a really wholesome way. And it also cre- in, in turn just creates a lot of space to discuss what that individual's needs are and what's their history and their relationship with their body and how that's definitely affecting food like in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you say health promoting behaviors, can Mm -hmm. you give people some examples? I've realized lately that sometimes people don't understand that (laughs) exactly what that terminology means. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like dietitian to dietitian, we're like, oh yeah, we're on the same page. But Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Well, okay. It can be so many things. A lot of times people hear that and they're like, oh, maybe it means eating in a way that feels like it supports my health or engaging in physical activity and joyful movement in a way that feels good for my body. And, and that's a part of it. And I would also add that it could be like working with a mental health therapist It could be knowing how to access like local food pantries. It could be connecting to mutual aid in your area. So health can look so different depending on what someone's needs are. And I think that's kind of what health at every size tries to suggest is that, okay, there are actually so many parts of health overall. And it's not, and if we kind of like overemphasize this one specific part of physical health, we're neglecting so much more to the human experience. 
Yeah, definitely. And I love how the examples that you gave really tie in some of those social factors that definitely have an impact on health. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it it could also be like taking some time to like make sure you're carving out time to connect with your friends. Like there are so many things that influence health and well-being. And a lot of times in one of like my earlier sessions with clients, I'll encourage them to explore what health means to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a foundational piece of doing any sort of nutrition work is understanding, you know, how you define health. And we do that too in my group coaching program. That's what we do in the very beginning because Mm – health can mean different things to different people. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Well, when it comes to eating disorders, I would really love to chat in general just about the increased risk of eating disorders in the PCOS space and some things that you see in practice that lead to this. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, Unfortunately, like research shows that people with PCOS are at a higher risk to struggle with eating disorders. And I think there are a lot of things that contribute. But one of the biggest ones that I see is kind of like what they're being told to do from doctors, like to engage in dieting and to like cut out their favorite foods. And they're also being told that if they don't do these things, they'll never be able to conceive or kind of like live the life that they had in mind. So it can feel like it can, it can feel confusing, but it can also feel like they can't have a healthy relationship with food and manage their PCOS. And so it kind of puts people in a really tough spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I find it really interesting when I'm in more of a medical PCOS space and hearing the conversations about this. It's like, we need to do research to discover, like, what is it about PCOS that's leading to this or gut health or things like that? And it's like, well, some of the things that you're prescribing are actually, like, really harmful and not realistic for people. So that's probably the foundation of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes researchers, like, talk about people and their behaviors as if they're, like, lab animals And, you know, are like robots that can just program, oh, yeah, just do that. And every person has their own unique story around food and their favorite foods and things that they definitely don't want to cut out. And so I think for PCOS, a lot of times our full like humanity isn't recognized because we're expected to do these ridiculous things. And a lot of times we're not believed when we are already doing ridiculous or really disordered things. Yeah, exactly. And I do a little bit of PCOS advocacy work. And that's really the primary goal of a lot of the advocacy efforts is to have medicine and science view people with PCOS as whole beings and not just Mm -hmm. like a participant in a research study. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I I think like if you look at the PCOS experience, sometimes the symptoms and like the energy levels or like the facial hair and and seeing that come up, it can in turn unintentionally like create a rift between people and their bodies. And that also affects like how you're going to connect to those behaviors that can support your body. Mm -hmm, Totally. Yeah. I completely agree. When we talk about eating disorders, I don't know if you see this, but I see this a lot where people may not even realize the way they think and feel about food in their body. 
might fall under a category of being disordered or meet part of the criteria for maybe having an eating disorder. What are some things that you look for or if somebody is listening and they're like, maybe I, maybe I do have an eating disorder, I'm falling in that direction. What are some things that they should look for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one is like checking in with how much anxiety or distress food is bringing into your life. So if if it feels like there's not much flexibility or if you're going out to eat and there's going to be like a change in plans and you're going to a different restaurant, if that brings up a lot of disappointment or a lot of upset, those can be like those little red flags. But then when it comes to kind of like eating behaviors, it might feel like you need to be really, really strict on some days. And if one thing goes wrong, then the whole day is ruined. So that's that's a sign that it's a little bit disordered. It could be feeling like you need to compensate in certain ways because you feel like you ate too much. So if it feel if you feel like you ate more than you wanted to, maybe not honoring your hunger cues later on or engaging in like movement or other types of behaviors to feel like you're like quote unquote undoing those other behaviors. I think if I'm being super general, I think the flexibility piece is what I usually encourage people to look at because the inflexibility around like food or movement is a good sign that there's something deeper going on beneath that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if this is resonating with anybody listening, I feel like it's really important to acknowledge like we've talked about in a previous question of how a lot of the advice given to people with PCOS can lead you to this point. Mm-hmm. But it's also possible to have a life with PCOS where you don't feel this way. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's possible to, to have a life where you're doing the things that help your PCOS be managed, where it's not disordered. And It might be confusing if you've had a provider tell you to do some things that might not feel aligned with eating the foods that you enjoy or living a full, fun life around food. And I I get that. And I, I feel like it's important to add that, unfortunately, a lot of providers aren't trained in eating disorders. So sometimes that does happen. And it doesn't mean that it's kind of like set in stone just because a provider told you to do something. Yeah, definitely. And that leads into a listener question where somebody asked, how would you approach a situation or what advice would you have if somebody does have a history of an eating disorder, they share that history with their doctor, and then it's kind of dismissed or disregarded. Like this person specifically said, their doctor said that no matter what, because they have PCOS, they need to get their weight taken every six months. Mm-hmm. Well, I would want to ask that doctor like what that information is telling if they're looking for significant like sudden weight change, which can sometimes happen with PCOS. A lot of times people can tell like from their clothes suddenly fitting very differently. They can sort of notice those types of changes happening. So if they're looking for that sudden shift, maybe it's something you can self-report. I would also check in to see if they're open to a blind weight and also not telling you what that weight is like at all. And if it doesn't feel like there's some flexibility, I would also encourage like getting a second opinion about that and mm-hmm. shopping around for someone that might be just a bit more open to collaboration with you. Yeah, I love the word collaboration because... 
anyone should have a voice in their healthcare choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And there needs to be some openness to doing things differently. And I, I feel like that's, that's what for me as a healthcare provider, I try to always keep in mind too. Yeah. Because everyone is different. Like you said, they have a different story. They're coming from a different place and that's going to affect mm-hmm. the way they approach healthcare and going to the doctor, or even meeting with a dietitian. Exactly. Yeah. Another listener question, someone asked, how do you find a balance between managing PCOS, health at every size, and not yo-yo dieting anymore? Oh my gosh. What a great question. I think it really comes down to checking in with like, are you getting your basic needs met? And sometimes when somebody has a history of yo-yo dieting, that can be really hard to do. So it might mean that some of the gentle nutrition that you might want to use to manage your PCOS should be like gradually added in only in the context of you making sure that you're meeting your nutrition needs and your relationship with food is feeling healthy. And so I, I add that. And I also want to say that like, there are so many other ways to support your PCOS too outside of gentle nutrition like exploring like your sleep hygiene, stress management. It might be movement that can also be a little bit complex at times. Right. But yeah, there are just so many other things to keep in mind. But the history of yo-yo dieting also tells me that this person might feel like food is the most important thing in managing their PCOS. So I, I wonder how even focusing on those other things first might help just to, for, their, for them to know where their new baseline is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, when we talk about dieting and health, we, for a large majority of people, dieting doesn't actually improve health overall. But Mm -hmm. because we're told that we need to diet for our health or we need to lose weight for our health, that that thought is just within us. And it's okay for people to lean into their own personal experiences of, Yeah. Okay. How has this really served me? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like outside of what I'm saying, what you're saying, this person, it sounds like they have a lot of personal information. And so if they focus in on that, it sounds like they already know what doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And our last listener question, somebody asked, how important is weight versus other health data metrics when looking at overall health? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I would say it's not very important for a few reasons, but one of which is that it's something that we don't really have like a scientifically sound and healthy way to control. So I, yeah, like if you're looking at other markers to check in with health and then all of those are feeling like they're okay, or they're in ranges for you that feel right. Maybe if weight is feeling like something that's really significant, I would ask other questions like, what feels like it would be different in your life if you lost weight. And sometimes when people feel stuck on weight around health, sometimes there are just other things beneath that. Like maybe feeling like dating would be differently or would be different or clothing options would expand or other other things that might be sneaking in there. Yeah, definitely. Because I think on the surface, what I hear a lot is I want to lose weight for my health and I want to lose weight to feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things to peel back and explore there. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
And when, when it's hard to let go of that, or even like give yourself some breathing room, that kind of goes back to what you mentioned before of like, is there some disordered eating going on? And that might be, might be a good place to get some support around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I know in addition to your practice, you've been in the news lately doing some, <laughs> some work in New York related to weight, anti-weight discrimination. Do you want to share anything about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's a really exciting time in New York City and America's history because unfortunately in a lot of the country, it's legal to discriminate on the basis of weight when it comes to employment or education. And New York City is in the process of hopefully soon passing a bill that's going to make that illegal. And it's it's a pretty significant thing because there's just a handful of places where that's the case. So if if you live in New York City, I'd recommend contacting Speaker Adrian Adams and really asking if we can bring this bill to a vote. It seems like there's a lot of support right now. And unfortunately, like like research shows that people do face discrimination in this way. So, yeah, I think it's a sign of hope that we're actually having this happen right now. Yeah, it is. It's so hopeful. And how do you get involved in something like this? Because I know for a lot of people listening, they want to be a part of the change, but getting Mm -hmm. involved in any sort of like legislation, or even if it's like with your local government, it feels really intimidating. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I'll have to send you some stuff to put in the show notes, but yeah, like Dove, like the soap, like they're doing a big campaign with NAFA, the, um, National Association for the Advancement of Fat Acceptance. I think that's the right acronym. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, NAFA. I'm getting over a cold <laughs> and I'm having some brain fog. But but NAFA's doing a lot of great work around making it illegal to discriminate. And so I've just been following because like when we get a hearing for any city or state, it's usually not far in advance. So I honestly found out because I was scrolling on Twitter and I saw somebody post about it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a fat activist in New York City and I had no idea, which means that there are tons of other people that are in this situation. So I definitely recommend following this campaign closely. Awesome. Yeah. Send that to me and I will definitely put it in the show notes for everyone. Yes, I will. One final thought or question as we wrap up today, if somebody is listening and they really resonated with some of the things that you were saying about being rigid around food or the stress and anxiety around food, what are some first steps that they can take to really support themselves? Mm, My go-to is kind of like, okay, this might be a good place to get support from a provider. And they know that's not always like in somebody's cards or not what they're feeling like is in their cards. So I I would stay connected, like check in with your social media feed, really check in with what messages you're receiving around food and body. I would check in with your support systems, checking in to see if you have like really body positive and fat positive people in your life. And if not, that's a good sign that this could be a good area to focus on, even if you're not like feeling ready to work with a provider yet. Maybe starting to explore what might help you feel like you can do some acts of kindness for your body could be a good place to get started. So it might mean like taking a little break and like put, rubbing some lavender lotion on, or it could be going to get a cupcake that you enjoy or doing a little stretch like with your cat or, or something fun. 
but really building in those moments of kindness for your body. Oh, thank you so much for that advice. I know it's going to be helpful to people listening. Yeah, my pleasure. This was so great. Well, Kimmy, tell everyone how they can find you, how they can connect with you online. Yeah, so you can find me at bodyhonornutrition.com or on Instagram at bodyhonornutrition. Awesome. So we'll link all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today. This has been an awesome discussion. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it a lot too. Thanks for listening to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch new episodes. I'd also be so grateful if you left a review and rating for the pod as well. See you next Wednesday.